What keeps truckers up at night? Rail workers press for better working conditions and some key factors driving our supply chains. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Right Height. Right Height vertical storing dock levelers for drive-through applications help provide environmental control with complete four-sided perimeter seal to block white light and the ability to open trailer doors inside the facility. Learn more at righthite.com. That's R-I-T-E-H-I-T-E.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, 2023 has not been so rosy for trucking. Volumes are down, and the capacity built up during the pandemic is more than what is needed currently. What's causing the current problems for trucking, and what might conditions be like for truckers during the second half of the year? To find out, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Our guest today is Max Farrell, CEO and co-founder of WorkHound, a software company that is a feedback platform for frontline workers. Max joins us to discuss the key issues and challenges facing the men and women behind the wheel of all those freight trucks you see on our roads and highways every day. Welcome, Max. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great. Well, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you first, just to, to set us up here, tell us a bit about WorkHound. What kind of a company are you and what do you do? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, WorkHound is a uh, real-time feedback software platform for frontline workers and their companies. And so we started WorkHound about eight years ago with the mission of wanting to help people love the work they do. And we started in trucking because we know there's a big turnover problem. We saw that turnover's high. A lot of people don't feel respected. They don't feel like they have a voice. And historically, the only options have been exit interviews and annual surveys to get the voice of the workforce. And so what we created at WorkHound is a real-time feedback loop where workers can share feedback anywhere, anytime, anonymously, without the fear of retaliation. Uh, but companies can get uh, access to the, the insights to, uh, to act and, and address the, the feedback so they can be proactive instead of reactive. Uh, and so uh, WorkHound's, uh, you know, what we've realized is that getting feedback is easy. The hard stuff is understanding that data and doing something with it. And so WorkHound's unique in that uh, the platform, you can take action on every single piece of feedback that, that you get. And that's uh, enabled uh, companies uh, in North America. Last year, they retained 12,000 workers using WorkHound. So we're really proud of some of the impact that we've been able to have in helping companies better connect with their, their workers. Terrific. Thank you. And as I understand it, it's also you also do a, a research and you recently released a survey based report um, about truck drivers top concerns. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that, maybe talk about the biggest issues that are affecting truckers in their daily jobs. Yeah, the yeah. So we uh, because we're gathering feedback from tens of thousands of drivers uh, across North America, we aggregated all that that feedback to see what is the pulse of of the driving workforce. And and what we saw in our, our annual trends report is that the top theme uh, last year was praise, which was really surprising because in an industry like trucking, there's usually this bad habit of wanting to fix what's broken instead of celebrating what's working well. Um, but uh, what it showed is that um, 
everything's not bad. Like 33% of our, of the feedback we receive is positive. And so for that to be the, the highest theme, I think was really surprising. Um, but you know, there, there were certainly the themes beyond that pay and communication. Uh, they were much more, more negative. And I could certainly talk about those if that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. If you could expand on those two uh, a little bit, that'd be great. So when it, when it comes to pay, that's, that's been a hot topic in uh, in the transportation space for several years now and what's interesting is that the pay feedback that we receive is very intersectional with with communication often the the, the pay comments will come in the form of question where people are confused about reimbursements or pay periods uh, or even questioning the the false expectations that a, a recruiter uh, may have shared and, and so because of this uh, this this confusion and, and uncertainty that starts to create a, a sense of, of mistrust between a, a driver and the company that they're that they're working with. And if you don't trust the place you work, you're probably not going to stick around very long. Uh, and so what's been interesting to see is that companies are taking that data and saying, how do we make our pay uh, simpler and more predictable? Because that is uh, that that's what our people are looking for, because, you know, I don't think it's any secret that Trucking has the most complicated pay structure of any industry in all of North America, and so it's about time that uh, that it gets simple. So that's one of the the key uh, aspects of of pay. Um, would it be helpful to to also share about communication? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, like you just did, you know, maybe share a little bit about how employers are 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 reacting to this or what they're doing about these problems. So yeah, sure. Yeah, so when it when it comes to to communication, again, it was one of the the, the top themes that that we saw uh, in the past year. Uh, but a third of the comments uh, around communication mentioned people, and and what that tells us is that uh, trucking is still a people business, and uh, drivers rely a lot on people uh, for their job, whether that's planners or dispatchers or terminal managers. And so where where frustration starts to kick in for for drivers. Is uh, is lacking uh, timely info, and you know, in uh, in the absence of clear information, uh, people are really good at filling the void with their worst thoughts and fears. And in trucking, that's amplified even more because a driver going down the road has hours of windshield time to stew on uh, communication they received or or lack thereof. Uh, and so, what uh, what what we do see some companies doing around communication. Uh, one is is operating with empathy more, where um, they they recognize that the the driver managers that are are supporting the drivers may not have experience in trucking or actually being in a truck, and so they're either giving them soft skills training of how to be better communicators, especially in a multi generational workforce, uh, but they're also uh, some companies will even do uh, ride alongs where they'll say, hey, if you're going to be a driver manager, you need to go see what it's like for for a driver. Um, and then the other aspect is is capturing the feedback of of the drivers that are out on the road. So instead of it just being a one-way street of of uh, dispatchers or driver managers sharing, hey, here's where you need to go. Let us know if you run into issues. It's creating a, a feedback loop where drivers are able to say, hey, here's what's what's happening for me out here. Here's what's working. Here's what's not, and giving the company the opportunity to figure out how do we build a better business based on what our workforce is is saying. And so I think all those items have uh, have really helped some companies uh, build more trust and create a stronger culture uh, by um, really being proactive and listening to their workers' needs. 
it's tough to to find drivers too. You know, what what actions can employers carriers take to make the profession more attractive? You know, based on some of this feedback we're talking about. It, the you know, the the pendulum often swings uh, for for companies between being desperate to bring anybody with a CDL on uh, to the the other side of it, where they're very targeted in bringing the right people on. And uh, especially right now, we're we're in a moment where it's a good time for companies to strengthen their culture to figure out who are the right people we want on our team. Um, but more importantly, for the company, asking the question, how do we show up to our workforce? Uh, and uh, and right now, the uh, the the freight market is is bumpy, and so um, companies should be asking, how do we support our our people in times of of uncertainty? Um, and uh, and become a company of choice. And so one of the, the biggest ways that I've seen companies do it is uh, is to really embrace this this concept of benefits plus. You know the the table stakes are here's your pay, here's your insurance, here's your 401k. But really seeing what are the other things that you can offer um, to uh, to to strengthen either your relationship with the with the the driver or um, to help them in their career. So some people will provide mental health support or family planning support or um, education reimbursement. So if somebody wants to uh, get a degree in addition to going down the road, um, that's to that they're in support of that because uh, while someone may be a driver, they may not be a driver forever and, and that's okay. So companies encouraging supporting the full person has, uh, has been really exciting to see. We often hear about the need to, um, you know, attract more women to trucking, just talking about recruiting and, and making the industry, um, you know, a, a better place to work. Um, there are obstacles and concerns specific to women drivers, though. I wonder, did any of this come up in your report or maybe comes up in the in the regular feedback that you receive? Can you comment on any of that? Yeah, we, we did a separate analysis on uh, what women uh, uh, drivers were saying in, in the feedback to identify some of the qualitative trends that, that stood out. And, um, and so, you know, one of the, you know, there, there's certainly a number of, of issues that, that popped up, uh, but one of them that, uh, that, that stood out was uh, safety concerns where, um, because uh, female drivers are facing um, unique concerns such as uh, sleeping in truck yards, or maybe they feel unsafe due to inadequate facilities. We 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 saw uh, comments where um, you know there there was concern about going into a certain area and um, and and that sort of thing. And then the safety actually carries over to training shortcomings that uh, that companies run into, where uh, companies don't have a uh, a lot of uh, or enough uh, women uh, trainers. And so women will, if they're, if they're new to the industry, will, will be in a, a, a truck being trained by a male counterpart. And so we receive feedback about inappropriateness or maybe sexism uh, where they're, uh, um, they're not focused on quality training. And again, the, there's concern for, for safety. Uh, so I, I have seen there, there is a, a growing push for, for companies that are really working to, to diversify their workforce to say, okay, how do we we get more uh, w women drivers to become trainers, to diversify not just our, our driver pool, but also our trainer pool, so that we can expedite the diversity inside our, our organization. Uh, and so I, I have been really encouraged to see that, um, you know, companies are saying, okay, there there is some nuance here. How do we, what are the, what are the nuanced things we need to do? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's in terms of, 
um, providing different benefits, uh, you know, where it's covering women's health and home time for childcare. Uh, so companies just need to be more in tune that if we want to diversify our workforce, we have to diversify the way we approach work. Yeah, that makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, but while we wrap up here, is there anything else about either the report or this topic in general that you think our, our audience should really pay attention to, keep an eye on? Yeah, I would say uh, keeping an eye on what benefits companies choose to prioritize is uh, is key. You know, it says a lot about the company culture, and uh, we're seeing more companies emphasize their their feedback and communication strategies and their and their job descriptions and their website to show that they're listening to their people and that they they have a process to act on what their workforce says. Uh, and so it's it's really encouraging that you're seeing more and more companies out there and in uh, transportation and even in the broader supply chain operate with a culture of curiosity instead of saying, you know, with their arms crossing, this is the way it is. Uh, they're really saying, okay, we, we really want to, to understand and listen to our workforce so that we can build a better business and, and be that company of choice for people in a very competitive market. Um, so that, that I'd say has uh, been a really uh, fun evolution that, that I've seen in the industry since uh, I've been a part of it. Terrific. Max, thanks very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. We have been talking with Max Farrell of WorkHound. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Max and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, there was more news this week about the men and women who go working on the railroads and their continuing disputes with management over working conditions. Can you share some of the latest? Yeah, I'm glad to, Dave. Uh, many of our listeners will remember that we nearly saw a nationwide rail strike in December, uh, about six months ago, after those rail worker unions and the railway companies couldn't reach agreement on extending the contracts. Um, it had to do with pay rates, of course, work schedules, um, number of sick days uh, they're allowed to take. Uh, the rail companies and labor unions had actually reached a proposed deal back in September. Uh, it was mediated by the White House, given the importance of keeping freight moving, uh, but it ended up being rejected by uh, four out of the 12 labor unions involved. This is complicated stuff. And it raised the prospect then of shutting down a huge amount of national freight movement. Uh, in the end, Congress actually passed a bill that imposed that earlier agreement and the Biden administration signed that. So um, a lot of big forces moving here. But this week we've come to learn uh, that that wasn't actually the end of the story. Uh, so on Wednesday, we heard that Union Pacific Railroad had made a tentative agreement with a union that's called the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. And a couple days before that, uh, on Monday of uh, this week, actually CSX had reached uh, likewise a tentative agreement with a different union, the Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. And a week ago, Norfolk Southern Corp uh, had agreed to provide a paid sick day policy uh, to that same locomotive engineers and trainment group. So a, a, a flurry of action. Yeah, well, that is a lot of agreements nearly all at once. Is this a case of just the railroad companies giving into worker demands? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, for sure, the railroads were under pressure to make a deal, uh, both to avoid a strike, uh, especially with fears of recession and sort of economic turmoil going on. Uh, and also to deal with um, not really related, but still public relations pressure, uh, some of the fallout from the uh, chemicals that had leaked 
after that Norfolk Southern derailment back in February in Ohio. Uh, so who knows what discussions happened behind closed doors, but uh, what we do know that the uh, we remember that the original deal, the one that was imposed by Congress last year, was not um, just about pay. Uh, it was more so about flexible work schedules. In fact, that deal included pay hikes. Uh, so the railroads were already willing to meet the unions on that score. But the recent deals were, like I say, more about scheduling, um, more freedom to uh, pick and flex work days, uh, particularly sick days. That was a big one. Um, but the, the recent Union uh, Pacific deal offered a predictable schedule. So they'd have 11 days on and four days off, as opposed to pretty much on-demand work, which is what it has been. So that approach, though, could actually be constructive for both sides at the negotiating table, uh, looking at the different statements. So Union Pacific said that that deal would let it better manage its staffing levels, and that leads to more consistent and reliable service. And likewise, that brotherhood of locomotive engineers and trainmen made a similar point. They said that, uh, they said, quote, this significant change in scheduling will not only make life better for locomotive engineers and their families, it should also help Union Pacific to retain and recruit employees. So that kind of makes sense if you're offering more attractive working conditions. And especially in our economy right now, uh, where we're at a 40 or 50 year low unemployment rate. So. This could be a legitimate deal that helps both sides. But as I mentioned, um, these are tentative agreements right now, uh, not signed in ink. So they have to be ratified by worker votes. So that's something that we'll keep tracking as well. Yeah, we certainly will. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. And Victoria, you are working on a column for the June issue of DC Velocity about how conflicted consumers are driving our supply chains. Can you explain what you mean by conflicted consumers? Absolutely, Dave. This is all about belt tightening and a simultaneous demand for service, as it turns out. So continued high inflation, interest rate increases, and a general slowing of the economy are affecting businesses and consumers alike as 2023 marches on. We've all seen that and keep reading about it. And these sentiments were uh, echoed in an industry report released this spring that showed new trends in consumer buying habits, trends that reveal an increasingly cost-conscious consumer who nevertheless continues to place high demands on retailers, logistics companies, and others across the supply chain. The report is from international e-commerce and mail delivery company Ascendia, and it revealed that leaders there are referring to as the conflicted consumer, as you noted. And these are shoppers who are becoming more price conscious and tightening their belts on the one hand, but who still want to consume in line with their values on the other uh, by making environmentally conscious decisions about uh, product choice and fulfillment methods, for example. Um, and these are things that are often typically more expensive in the purchasing process. So the survey, uh, the company surveyed 8,000 consumers worldwide this past February and found that more than half are placing price as a top consideration in their buying decisions this year. And at the same time, three quarters of consumers said they remain, um, and I'm quoting, sustainability minded in those decisions and that they're willing to pay the price for that. More than 20% of the respondents said they would pay more for 100% carbon neutral deliveries, for example, and 23% said they'd pay more for greener fulfillment options, even if that meant the item took longer to arrive. So some mixed signals there for sure. Right, um, what effect is all this having on the supply chain? Well, it's forcing companies, particularly retailers, to have to cater to both sides of the consumer's value spectrum. Um, the study found that 70% of U.S. consumers in particular expect to cut back 
on their spending this year, and that those same consumers are reevaluating how and what they buy to minimize their environmental impact. So on the one hand, retailers have to deal with those shrinking purchases um, while offering some of the higher end services they've developed in response to consumers' demands for sustainability. And just to give you a few examples uh, of what that is, you know, those services, more than a third of shoppers said they expect retailers to ship with reusable only packaging. Um, more than 20% said they expect carbon neutral delivery on international orders. And nearly a quarter said they expect retailers to use electric vehicles for domestic fulfillment. Um, and as you said at the outset, Dave, I wrote about this for uh, DC Velocity's June issue, so our readers can, can learn more when that issue is out next month. We look forward to seeing it. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And again, we would like to thank Max Farrell of WorkCom for being our guest. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. Speaking of subscribing, check out our sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It's co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. We have a new series on transportation tech starting on June 6th. So check that out and subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Right Height. Right Height vertical storing levelers for drive-through application help protect your employees by allowing them to open trailer doors inside the facility versus outside on the dangerous drive approach. Its exclusive safety pit sensors also prevent leveler operation if any movement is detected in the leveler pit for an additional level of pedestrian safety. Learn more at rightheight.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.